I am so honored to present our special guest, Dr. George Abrahams to you today. He made history recently as the first Indian American to become the president of the very prestigious American College of Physicians. He's also the chair of American Board of Medicine right here in Commonwealth of Massachusetts. He's also the immediate past chair of Infectious Disease Board at ABIM, as well as the chair of medicine at St. Vincent Hospital. He's got hundreds of publications to his name and has received numerous awards. Let's meet him. Dr. Abrams, welcome to Charvit Panju. I cannot tell you it is such an honor for us to have you with us today. Dr. Shet, and I'll call you Manju, as you've requested. It is an honor to be with you. I have watched your term as president of the Indian Medical Association in New England. I'm a proud member, and I've watched your term with admiration. And your leadership has been exemplary, and you're a role model to so many of us, especially to the young women physicians who aspire to be hopefully uh, fulfilling the same shoes. So thank you for your leadership, your contributions to the world of medicine, as well as to our community. And thank you for the honor of sharing this platform with you today. Thank you so much. And uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, you made history recently as the first Indian American to become the president of the very prestigious American College of Physicians. So let's start at the beginning. You graduated from Christian Medical College in Indiana. And once you started your residency here, you joined ACP right away. And here you are the president. So tell me what it feels like and what is your vision for the organization? Yes, thank you. So I'm a proud graduate from a medical school in India. I did my residency there, served on the faculty for three years, and then uh, moved here to the U.S., redid residency, as all of us have yes. done after yes. coming here. And yes, at that time, I became a member of the American College of Physicians, uh, first as a resident member, then obviously as an attending and as a full member, and have grown to become the president. So becoming the president was a bit of a surprise. Um, the college has a slightly different system of nominating its leadership. So mm -hmm. as you rise up the ranks, you first become governor of the chapter. So the Massachusetts chapter was the governor. Then there was an election to become the chair of the board of governors, which is all the governors in the college, which are about 89 governors from around the wow. world. And so you chair wow. that for a year, then become a regent. And then your name is put up for leadership. So there is a governance committee which really vets you and decides if you are appropriate for leadership. And then finally decides uh, what that position should be that you'd be best suited for. And then it's voted on by the uh, leadership of the Board of Governors and the Board of Regents. So uh, a bit of an arduous process, but... Uh, it's a zero campaigning, no conversation allowed around the position other than your uh, credentials and your uh, track record in the college should speak for itself is how the college views it. And so it's different from other medical organizations from that standpoint. It's a matter of pride because in the 105 year, year history of the college, there's the first international medical graduate and the first Indian uh, to be the president. Mm -hmm. And one, it uh, signifies that the organization is welcoming of all, including right. international medical graduates, which is uh, quite a bit of a first compared to many other organizations. I'm sure others will follow suit. 
And number two, it tells us that uh, we are one large family. It doesn't matter where we've come from, what our pedigree is, but ultimately it's our contributions to the setting we are working in and what drives the ability to lead an organization, etc. And so for me personally, it's been a great journey. Uh, this will be my last year in leadership in the college. So when I finish my year as president, I move on and I become president emeritus, but you stop holding positions in the college. And so I'm hoping this year to focus on the international medical graduate per se. So it's interesting that in the membership of the American College of Physicians, we have 25% of our membership are international medical graduates from around the world. And uh, so that is a significant proportion of our membership. So my goal this year is to start the focus on international medical graduates, their needs right from starting residency to completing residency and starting work to their rise in their careers, to what happens with the stresses and challenges of working in, a, in an environment such as this, where they are far from their family, et cetera. And so I hope this year to start that process and to keep that conversation moving. Right. Your focus is also uh, on inclusion, diversity, and as you call it, JEDI, right? Yes. So Jedi, not so much in terms of space wars or Star Wars, <laughs> but Jedi is an acronym for justice, equity, diversity and inclusion. So justice, as we've seen, the COVID pandemic has probably highlighted the differences. So justice all around, be it in terms of the minorities and how they are treated, the inadequacies and inequities of the health system. So the equity component, same thing. We have minorities who don't have equal access to care. We have people who are economically underprivileged who don't get the same degree of care. We have inequities across the world. I mean, while we here in the US are flush with vaccine availability and we are begging people to take it, we have countries like ours who are begging for vaccine so that people can get it. So the inequities of the system. Diversity. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, careers, especially uh, identifying women professionals and enhancing their careers. One of my big uh, goals, which I wrote about in my one of my columns, was He for She, which is the United Nations uh, agenda to really focus on the role of women and to bring them up in terms of highlighting their wonderful contributions, not only as professionals, including medicine. Uh, but all other fields. And so there is a site called heforshe.org, which we can all sign up to, to basically pledge to help our women physicians and our women colleagues. So in medicine, it's been very male dominated. And so it's high time that we change it so that there is a decrease in the gender pay gap mismatch. Uh, there is a decrease in the opportunities and the expectations that women physicians need to do to advance their careers, promotions in the academic field, uh, chairs of departments, et cetera. So there's a lot that we need to speak up for and to see that our outstanding women colleagues are equally represented and have an equal voice. So diversity of the workplace and finally inclusion. So inclusion is when everyone is comfortable together, everybody feels a part of the same system. And so the best example of inclusion was a definition by Verna Myers, who is an attorney, an African-American attorney, when she was uh, quoted in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, speaking to the Cleveland Bar Association, 
So she said uh, diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. And I thought that was so true because until the person is comfortable and in that environment, we have never brought them in enough. So it's not enough to identify uh, all the different segments we target, but it's important to bring them all in to make us one family. Absolutely. And you mentioned about the international medical graduates. Of course, Indians, I think, are, we, we have the maximum number of graduates amongst the foreign from India, I think, 25, and then Caribbean and Mexico and Pakistan. What do you think is the biggest challenge they face right now? And if you have any solution for their biggest problem? Excellent question. So several things that we've been uh, sort of thinking about, not sure that I have all the answers to it, but we've definitely started a conversation. Even entry into residency here has been challenging for the cost of being able to travel here. Fortunately, the pandemic opened up the opportunity of a virtual platform. So most interviews now are on a virtual platform, which has been hugely useful because people don't have to spend the money to come here to complete their uh, interview process, but they can do it right from back home, which has been great. Uh, Once they come here, acclimatization to the process. I'm sure you're aware, as many others may be, that recently at the Lincoln Hospital in the Bronx in New York, there were three uh, physician suicides, completed suicides, as we call it. Uh, Two of them were Indian residents, unfortunately. And so there must be tremendous stresses that these folks go through as they are not able to travel back home. They are far away from family. People have had to put off their weddings and other significant events in their life because of COVID not allowing them to travel. And then uh, just yesterday at one of our council meetings uh, of the college, conversation came up about folks who go work in the underserved areas where they're exposed to COVID. If they pass away or they succumb to the disease, what happens to the family? They're on a visa, so they are forced to go back to their country of origin. They're not allowed to stay here. Their life is basically ruined. And so we have done nothing to protect those families, especially if the spouse is the non-physician. It's a challenge what to do with the children who started their education here and then it's it's totally disrupted. So those are the things we are looking to focus on to work. We have done a lot of work around wellness. So we are focusing on resident wellness in my own institution, in our residency program. We are hugely focused on wellness, making sure that people are happy, not in terms of just enjoyment, but that they don't feel stressed, that they feel comfortable coming to work, that they are not overworked, that they are not discriminated against, etc. So as an international medical graduate, we have lots of challenges. Our ability to rise up the career to occupy leadership positions is a fraction of our membership in such organizations. And so that's what, by turning the spotlight on international graduates and what they have done in the history of medicine in the country, hopefully we can turn around and make them feel more valued rather than uh, looked down upon. That's absolutely true. And somebody as like me, who's gone through the process and including the dreaded j1 visa this listening to you it's it's really like music to my ears it's it'll make a big difference so So thank you for doing that 
Thank you. I was a J1 that. visa holder as well, so I feel your pain. I've been through it myself, right. so I know it right. very well. Right. But it's uh, you know, kudos to leaders like you. You're you're the sort of physician leaders, being a woman physician as well as someone who's risen okay. up the ranks to where you are and been a, a person of exemplary uh, excellence. This is the sort of folks that we want to have people role model and to follow so that we continue to show how wonderful uh, the contributions that you and others like your, you and my colleagues make to this workplace. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your kind words. So, of course, you are the immediate past chair of Infectious Disease Board at ABIM. So I have to ask you the topic which is on everybody's mind. How do you think COVID pandemic, this pandemic is going to pan out and are we ever going to get rid of this dreaded virus? Yeah, I think it's a great question and one of great concern for all of us because it's caused a lot of stress as we go through wave after wave. And I think right. my feeling, personal feeling, but probably shared by a number of others is we will probably only get rid of the pandemic when the world has received enough vaccine. Right. Unfortunately, right. this is what, uh, as you and I know well enough that in the US, we are flush with vaccine, but the rest of the world is starved for right. vaccine. And so the devil continue, virus knows no walls, no boundaries, the air moves. And so okay. therefore we will continue to harbor new variants of this virus till our people are all immunized around the world. And so that is the next two to three years, unfortunately, which is depressing as it sounds. Yeah. So while we enjoy some degree of freedom here because we have a higher vaccination rate here, as reflective of the rest of the country, particularly the South and in other countries, it, it doesn't need to be re-emphasized that we will continue to struggle with waves of this pandemic, as we've probably all heard from other experts. Hopefully it will lose its steam because it has affected everybody so much. So I asked you a lot of serious questions, so I have to ask you some fun questions now. I was so excited to see another doctor who is a mystery buff like me and especially has Poirot and Sherlock Holmes as their favorites. So tell me what you do for fun. Sure. So uh, <laughs> work uh, obviously consumes a good part of my life, but uh, we do, uh, I mean, I do listen to music a lot, all types of different music. Uh -huh. um, I'm a self-taught uh, church organist, so I play really? the church organ in church. So so I, I I play some, I like choral music, so I've conducted choirs, I've sung in choirs, etc. But yes, the Poirot and Holmes both uh, <laughs> for their deductive, deductive capacity. So a few years ago, we as a family took a trip to London. Uh, okay. And so I made it, we went to Edinburgh because my wife is a uh, graduate of the Royal College of Physicians, Edinburgh. So okay. in Edinburgh, there is a pub which was where... Uh, uh, the Sherlock Holmes was coined, Arthur Conan Doyle, it's called the Arthur Conan Doyle pub where he sat. Uh -huh. And uh, so that was where Sherlock Holmes was sort of born. And then I went to uh -huh. 221B Baker Street in London. Of course. Which is of the course. little place, right, you've seen it, which they made a little museum to Sherlock Holmes. So we took right. pictures both places. I said, my life is sort of is uh, satisfied because I've reached the, the culmination of... Uh, but yes, the the mystery, more more the deductive process and capacity yes. was just fascinating. And I think that augments our own uh, disease uh, may, uh, diagnosed, uh, diagnostic capabilities when you're at the bedside or when you're teaching, etc. Right. So enjoyed it from that standpoint. So 
So that is, I like travel. I'm a big foodie, unfortunately. So, which is not necessarily. What's your favorite? I'm, Do you cook as well, hard. or? Uh, so not not so good a cook, but uh, very fond of diff- trying different cuisines and so on. So that's sort of a favorite. Uh, so we do try to mix and match different cuisines as we go around different cities where we visit, where we either travel for meetings or for pleasure. We try to do a little bit of that. So so that's the fun aspects of uh, what I do. And uh, you mentioned your wife, uh, Susan. Yes. She is uh, also a physician. And you have two daughters, right? right? Yes, I have two daughters. Right? So Susan, my wife, is, uh, is of Indian descent, but she was born and brought up in Singapore because her parents had moved there in the early 50s. And uh, so she's a graduate of the Royal College of Physicians, uh, UK, or Edinburgh, when she took the exams. Uh, and uh, so she's an internist here as well. She is actually the program director of our internal medicine residency program. We have 75 residents in internal medicine. We have two daughters. Miriam, our older daughter, is uh, just completed uh, her law school from University of Chicago Law School. And so she's starting out as an attorney with a firm in Washington, D.C., so a couple of years ago in 2018, she actually won the New England Choice Award as a Youth Leadership Award along with Sanjeev Chopra for his Healthcare Education Award. So uh, You know, that is the, our award. Yes, I know. That's that's why I mentioned it. I, I mentioned it specifically because, yes, that is your I award. I didn't make that connection. Yeah, you so know? 2018, oh Miriam George, she was, uh, yes. she's my daughter, so. Oh my God, so, exactly. I'm so shocked. I, I didn't make that connection. Wow. Yeah, I just brought it up because of that, because yes. I knew it was yours. Yes. So thank you that for was... that. Thank you for oh, nominating her. I know there was a little video made about her. I have a, I have a great picture oh, of she yes. and Sanjeev together because Sanjeev is a dear friend of mine. And our younger daughter, Elizabeth, has just finished her master's in education from UConn. So she's teaching with the East Hartford Public School System. Yes. Now you have achieved so much, I think. As physicians, you have been in so many leadership positions. Is there anything that you still aspire to do as a doctor or in any leadership position still? Great question. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been blessed to, to have been in all the places I've been and been in the positions I've been. I think most of all, I've been, I feel blessed because I'm able to learn from so many people. So even conversations like I'm able to have with you today, I consider it an opportunity for me. One, I get to see and learn from and observe and watch uh, amazing leaders like you. Number two, my conversations with you always lead me, lead me to think more about what more we can do. And that's uh, I, this morning, I was uh, giving a lecture to India uh, for uh, the an annual endocrine conference that they had. And uh, that's about 9,000 people who were participating from all over Asia, so India, Bangladesh, etc. So this was a name duration, which I was speaking at. And I spoke exactly on the same thing, which is uh, the attributes of leadership, specifically around justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and how we needed to. And the question asked was, what do you view in leadership? And I said, it's servant leadership. We need to learn uh, but more importantly, we need to serve. And so that's what I think you and I are called to as uh, physician leaders. So this amazing conversations that you hold so often and where you interview people is an eye opener because in so many different ways, we learn so much. And uh, I think I have learned a lot, but there's a lot more to learn. So I'm hoping that I will continue to build on the good things that I have learned in the past year, the relationships, mm-hmm. the friendships, and the connections that I've made to go on, hopefully being a better physician, a better parent, and a better person. 
That's wonderful. Thank you so much. It was truly a privilege to have you with us today, and I hope to see you in person very soon. So thank you so the much. The honor is mine. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. much.